we will see farmers uh, probably um, uh, getting an important percentage of their revenue from carbon capture activities. We see how uh, storing carbon on the soil um, will be a, a big a source of uh, income for, for farmers and, and their communities on, on the next uh, 10 years. Welcome to Croptastic, the Interplant podcast where your host, Shelly Arnov, explores the global future of agriculture and food. This episode's guest is Gonzalo Fuenzalida, the CEO and co-founder of Andes Ag. Gonzalo joins the show to chat about agricultural biologicals and where they and other technologies fit in the future of ag. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Croptastic, the podcast by Interplant. Today's guest is Gonzalo Fuenzalida who is the founder and CEO of Andes Ag, a startup that's working on several really interesting concepts in, um, in biologicals, the biological space. Gonzalo, it's great to have you here today. Yeah, thank you, Shelly, for the invitation. Happy to be here. When we get started, it's always, um, please tell us about your background, where you're from, uh, how you got here, how you got interested in the space. Yes, I'm originally from a, a born and raised in, in Santiago, Chile. My background is in uh, business administration and economics. After going to um, to school and the university, I started working on investment banking, and I um, I worked there for for a while. And at some point in my life, I I I, I wanted to do something that um uh, uh, that made my life uh, happy. And and and, and Sundays uh, investment uh, banking wasn't doing it. Yeah, no, no, no. I I am very grateful about the opportunities <laughs> on investment banking and all the tools that I learned, but. Uh, yeah, no, it's a meat grinding uh, machine. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, and, and, and Sundays are, are horrible because you are uh, looking into markets uh, opening and it could be uh, anything, right? So your mother was uh, basically um, affected by, by, by anything that is happening uh, worldwide on the market. So, but, uh, but I, I did a change in my life and I, I, I make um, this change based on, uh, on my first uh, child that was born. Before him, I, I had a list of things that I thought that were important to to achieve in life. Some of them were material things. Um, but after my my, my son uh, was born, I, I, I had a redefinition on, on, on what I wanted to accomplish in life. And uh, immediately this list in my mind, uh, I, I shredded it and, and I started a new list that didn't have anything to do with uh, material things, right? So I've been in love with nature since I was a kid. I, I, I've been always impressed by nature. And um, and so I, I took the opportunity to start the first uh, biotechnology company. I'm talking about um, uh, 2012, about 10 years ago. This company um, uh, is a small company. It was a successful company. Um, we did an acquisition of another biotechnology company here in, uh, in California. Um, this first company focused on the production uh, of um, antibodies and recombinant proteins, specifically growth factors. So yeah, that's where my, my, my life started changing. And uh, and about five years ago, uh, we started Andes uh, with this idea of uh, being able to use uh, microorganisms uh, in agriculture to get a, a, a better yields and do um, a, an impact in, uh, on the environment in terms of uh, reducing uh, inputs, um, synthetic inputs uh, on agriculture. So yeah, I, I, I guess, Shelly, when I um, started the company, I was having a, a beer with a good friend of mine, Bernardo. Uh, Bernardo is um, a renowned uh, microbiologist studying interaction between uh, plants and bacteria for the last um, 25 years now. Uh, and Bernardo was telling me about this idea of using microorganisms in agriculture to increase outputs and, and do a lot of other things that were uh, so necessary. 
uh, and still are very necessary. And to be honest, Shelly, I was naive. I saw some results on the laboratory, on the greenhouse, and I said, this is it. I mean, this is great. I could see how the uh, microbes could have a positive effect on the plant development, uh, basically bigger plants with the same uh, inputs. But I was naive on thinking that that kind of technology was um, could be easily transforming into an actual product. Um, now, fairly early on the development of the company, we understood that uh, using microorganisms and, and biology is a two-part story. The first part of the story has to do with uh, having a great microbe, either natural or, or engineered microbe, that performs very well on, onto a specific uh, uh, trait you're looking for. But the second part of, 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 of the story is as important as the first one and has to do with uh, how do you deliver that technology into uh, your actual customer's hands? How do you deliver that microbe into fields across the Midwest and, and, and for that technology to be performing as well as you see performing it on a laboratory or greenhouse setup. So from the very beginning of the company, we started working on these um, two areas uh, intensively. We developed our own library of uh, microorganisms. Uh, we collected these microorganisms uh, from all the Americas, from North America, Northern States, down to Antarctica. And then the second part of the story, we, we started focusing on, on, on developing uh, a seed treatment method, uh, which basically uh, had as a final um, uh, outcome a seed that uh, contained the microbial technology for, for the very long term. And, and long term, we're talking about uh, more than three years, which is what, what is required here in the right. United States for, for corn. Yeah, so let's talk about the second part, because I think, and I don't know, right? I'm, I'm sure that there's uh, a lot of different microbes that work better than others, but there's quite a lot of options when it comes to microbes, I think. What I've never heard before, and I think it is the smart, the start, the smartest part of this uh, proposition is what is the way to make it accessible to farmers, right? How do you match what it is that you have to offer them with the system that they have today? I know that this is mostly proprietary, but if you can share a little bit more about that, I think that's fascinating. And then we can also yeah. talk about what are the challenges with neglecting that, right? The stuff that you started with, which is you saw a technology that seemed really promising, but it was also naive because all of the challenges you weren't aware of yet. And then you understood that you have to make it as accessible, as easy, as, as affordable as, as everything that farmers currently use in synthetic uh, chemistry. Maybe maybe we can start with that. And like, how do you think about those challenges? Oh, oh yeah. I, I, I mean, when you are trying to develop a biological product, at the end, basically, uh, you, you said it, you're competing against um, uh, synthetic chemistry, right? Uh, right. These chemicals exactly. that you apply not against and, other biologicals. Yeah. That's exactly oh, yeah. the point. Exactly, exactly. And 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 farmers are facing a lot of challenges uh, from pricing, uh, from climate change. I, I mean, you name it. Um, most yeah. of the farmers in the United States are operators. They don't own the, the land. They they rent the land and they have to pay bills. So uh, when companies come with um, innovative products, are uh, claiming better yields and uncertain return over in, uh, on the investment. I mean, it's a, it's a tough market to penetrate, right? And, and biologicals have a history of um, over-promising and under-delivering. And, and, and for us, Shelly, the reason why is, is because um, probably the 70% of the reason why they have been uh, under development is, is settlement, is, is being able to effectively put those microbes into work where they need to be working. So typically, the approach for deploying uh, microbials um, in agriculture uh, microbes basically uh, on agriculture has been um, doing um, a seed treatment on the outside of the, of, of the seed or or in mm -hmm. full application 
typically the, the rates of settlement, that means the amount of uh, the percentage of plants that actually get interacting with the bacteria of interest, Typically, the, the, that rate of settlement uh, for all the commercial products currently available is anywhere between 50 and 60%. That means that half or, or 40% of the plants will actually never interact with the bacteria of interest. And, uh, and that is um, uh, the biggest difference in between biology and, 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 and synthetic chemistry, right? Uh, when you deploy a, a, a chemical on, on the field, you have a high certainty that close to 100% of the plants will be interacting uh, with uh, that molecule, right? Um, yeah. So basically, what what we've done is uh, transforming the concept of uh, of, uh, of biological by integrating this to the seed. We we can guarantee that every single one of the seeds treated with our technology uh, will uh, be containing uh, the bacteria of interest, and most importantly, we can guarantee that every single one of the plants uh, growing on that field will be interacting with the bacteria of interest. Um, the reason why we can guarantee this is because um, uh, what we are doing, Shelly, is that we are actually loading on the inside of the seeds our bacteria. Our technology has as a final product a seed that uh, on the external part of the seed is uh, basically available for any chemical treatment, but on the inside is where uh, we allocate our bacteria of interest. So, right. um, That is a very cool we... concept. How did you come yeah. up with the concept itself? Oh, it was a moonshot, Shelly, and, uh, and believe me. Uh, four years ago, five years ago, when we started discussing this with a panel of experts, um, it wasn't well uh, received by, by everyone. Um, nobody thought it was possible to uh, allocate uh, uh, bacteria inside of, of the seed and even make that uh, bacteria and that uh, integration stable through time. So, yeah, it, it was a process of, um, of a brainstorming, a lot of moonshots and, a, and trial and error. We end up with a product that it's... Um, extremely cost efficient the the, the treatment uh, it only cost us um, uh, 20 cents per acre the treatment that that's the marginal cost of, of deploying it and, and doing the seed treatment so yeah it, it was a process of um, of trying to think outside of the box um it is um five years ago Shelly, it wasn't well understood uh, microbes that were already um, living inside of seeds now it's something that it's more common we've seen more more literature and uh, and people are studying this, but actually it's, it's something that can be done. Uh, you can load a microorganisms in, inside of the seed and, and have as a final product, a, a synthetic um, um, integration of plants and, and, and microbes. Yeah, and look, this makes a ton of sense to me because I, I think the reason I, I invited you to the podcast is because I've heard so much, so many people considering and working on the biological space, microbials and so on, uh, but everyone's talking about the product itself. And I think the reality is that the challenge is not the product itself, it's everything around distribution. And my guess is that you're able to see that because you're thinking from a business perspective and then you found the technology that can solve the business challenge that you had in how do you increase efficacy? How do you make it easier to apply and so on? I'm, I'm wondering, so when you say with traditional applications, only about 60% of the plants, or let's say 50%, get the, to interact with the with the microbes, what is the reason for that? So if you could look into a microscope, how soil looks like, Shirley, you will find billions of different bacteria interacting and competing. So basically when you are putting your uh, bacteria uh, as a liquid application, you are throwing a bacteria that works very well on, a, on, a, on an environment uh, as a laboratory or a greenhouse. But when you put uh, that bacteria uh, competing with uh, bacteria that are, are already present on that soil, 
that's a very tough thing to ask to your bacteria. I see. It's a more competitive environment. Oh, yeah. It's not as clean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You are not alone there, right? It's, it's a jungle, yeah. literally. So, so basically what we do as, as we have the bacteria inside of the seed, and this is very cool because we're not using only the seed as a vessel, but also as a, a natural bioreactor. When, when you put this seed into the ground, the seed that is treated with our technology, germination for the case of the corn, it takes um, about two to three days, depending on the temperature on the soil, for the seed uh, to actually break up and expose uh, all the plant into the environment. So our bacteria has an unfair advantage of two to three days uh, growing without any uh, competing bacteria. And, and basically what we see is that uh, the amounts of bacteria inside of the seed starts multiplying very fast inside of the seed during these uh, two or three days. And, and, and after that, when, when the seed breaks up and exposes the root structure and all the plant to the environment, our bacteria is already colonizing the niche of the root structure. Um, mm-hmm. The root structure of plants is where all bacteria wants to be uh, because you, you get the exudates from the plant and basically the, the nutrients, right? So yeah, we're basically giving an unfair advantage to, to our bacteria of being able to colonize that without any other uh, competing bacteria wanting to take their place. And, and before you plant it, is the bacteria dormant within the seed, just waiting to be essentially activated in real life? Yes. It, it depends if we are working with a gram positive or gram negative. Um, we, we work with a, a live bacteria. We work with uh, spores. Um, so it, it will depend on the bacteria we're working with, how we perform this, the seed treatment. But basically what you mentioned is right. We, we want to make the bacteria to be as calm as possible while staying on the inside of the seed and waiting for the germination to start. And uh, one last question about this. This could work for um, basically any microbes or does it just work with your system? So we've, we've tested roughly about uh, 300 different types of microbes. Uh, roughly 95% of the microbes uh, works with our technology. Uh, the ones that don't, surely, this has to do with... Um, with the hormones that are present on a seed, there's an equilibrium of two hormones inside of a seed. Basically, there are some bacteria that for some reason we don't understand completely uh, induce the embryo of the seed into what is called a deep dormant state. It is a, a state where the seed is uh, unreactive to the environment. So roughly 5% of the bacteria we're working induce the, the seed into a deep dormant state, uh, which is uh, incompatible with a with developing a product, right? Because it's uh, seeds that you will have a high percentage of seed that won't germinate after planting. Um, but 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 95% of the of the bacteria we work with uh, is compatible with it. So it's fair to say that uh, most of the bacteria is, is compatible with our technology. I, I really love this approach. I think this is definitely part of, we need to solve for this problem, right? We have to find an alternative path and we have to do it in a way that, what is the holy grail of farming? Reduce risk make it more profitable, make it easier all at the same time, right? Um, Let's switch a little bit to when you think about the future. And by future, I mean 2035. How do you see the future farm? What does it look like? How is it different than it is today? Oh, that's a a good question. Uh, So many angles. First off, I I think it has to do with uh, how, uh, and this connects with a a previous question you asked, Shelly. I, we think that all these uh, traits uh, and these engineer strains, bacteria that can perform uh, uh, very well in different traits, uh, will all come with the seed. We saw in the 80s and 90s uh, Monsanto developing uh, GMO seeds, basically modifying the, the, the genes of, of, of the plant uh, for giving new traits uh, to the corn plant. 
that kind of approach has come into a plateau. We haven't seen more advances on, on, on GMO um, because basically we, we tap into probably uh, uh, all the relevant traits you, you, you can, uh, or the most important traits you can bring with a, with a, a genetically editing. I actually, uh, uh, I have to completely disagree on that. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and, but and not, not because yeah. we don't have any relevant traits, because the, the handful of companies that have been developing traits have, they don't find it necessary to develop more. I think we've barely scratched the surface of the technology. Yeah, and and, and what you are doing, Shelley, yeah, uh, I, I I can see how how it will open a new door of uh, future uh, traits. And um, yeah, you're right. Um, but I agree that I, we don't I, need more BT and HD. That's the well, yeah. and that's really what the industry knows how to turn out. Yeah, you're you're right. And 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 but basically, um, for us, the low hanging fruit is is seeing all these uh, traits coming from uh, from microbes, right? Um, mm-hmm. um, and that's the focus of, of, of families. And 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 we we see how many companies have been uh, working on uh, and developing natural uh, microbes and also engineering microbes with uh, with very cool um, traits, right? So, so we think on, on, on what we're developing as the ability of uh, being able to stack uh, onto seeds um, new traits coming from microbes or, on a way that is compatible and, and comparable to synthetic chemistry. So yeah, I, I think in the future we will see, and I'm thinking on 2035, I will see many things being done differently um, on agriculture. The first is that um, you will have many traits coming uh, from uh, biology integrated onto the seed. Uh, as microbes, uh, as a free-living microbes interacting with the plant, which is which is natural and how uh, and how this um, nature works, right? Other things that we will see on 2035 have to do with, uh, and this is part of uh, one of the programs we are working on at Andes. We will see farmers uh, probably um, uh, getting an important percentage of their revenue from carbon capture activities. We see how uh, storing carbon on the soil will be a, a big a source of uh, income for, for farmers and, and their communities on, on the next uh, 10 years. We see an industry that will be more um, sustainable, that uh, we will be more aware of, uh, of the impacts that their activities are, are performing. So yeah, many things will, will happen. I, I think the biggest change you will see on, on, a, on a agriculture in uh, 15 years from now will have to do on the source of income for, for farmers. And, 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 and we're betting uh, hard on, 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 on the carbon credits uh, uh, markets. Yeah, it's, uh, we have a guest coming up, I think, in the next episode, Ratan Lal, who is one of the uh, basically people that I think discovered a lot of the carbon soil science. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be an interesting discussion around the possibilities and challenges and so on. Um, let's switch a little bit to... As a, as a founder in the space, and from what I understand, this is your second company, both in the agricultural space. Can you speak about what are the bigger challenges that you think that exist in this space versus maybe being in SaaS or, I don't know, cybersecurity or whatnot? So I, I think there are two big challenges when trying to develop a, a, a company focused on, on the agricultural industry. The first is the, is the, is the customers, is farmers. As we mentioned before, they are, they are used to uh, seeing all these companies offering uh, great outcomes of, uh, of their technologies uh, with an uncertain return on their investment and, uh, and, and basically over-promising and under-delivering. Farmers are exposed to so many uh, 
factors that are bringing an, another factor of uncertainty, something that it's uh, not welcome, right? So uh, penetrating with a new product into the agricultural industry, it's, uh, it's, it's tough. And, and on top of that, you have uh, basically a, a few big players that dominate the, the industry, right? So it's it's a tough market to to, to penetrate. Um, uh, and the second challenge is uh, is funding, uh, Shelley. Um, and I don't know your specific experience with this, but um, when you look for venture capital uh, uh, while developing a, a product or a service for agriculture. The group of um, uh, companies that are providing this kind of capital is very limited. So the pool of potential investors is a, is a, is a, is a reduced number of, uh, of companies that can uh, support you and, and, and help you in, in this endeavor. Uh, you, you are, um, I, think it's, yeah. uh, I think that's true. I think it's expanding, but, um, but slowly, right? There's uh, way more interest within the more conventional venture capital investors to move into this industry because it's getting gaining momentum and there's a lot of climate awareness but still there's all the elements of ag that really make it very different than what we see in the silicon valley right it's slower it's an annual pace it, a lot of times there's oh, yeah. uh, product development regulation and things that you just don't have with software that definitely make it more challenging to i would say to just make it very mainstream in the investor community okay. Do you have any other comments? I, I don't usually do this, but I'm curious, um, something I didn't bring up that you think is super important that we should talk about. I, I guess one thing that for us is important is that whatever we are thinking on, on developing, whatever trade and value we are trying to create on, a, on those fields, uh, we always have um, the farmer uh, first. We've seen how many companies um, have made, um, and this has to do with a, uh, uh, with the concentration of the industry, right? You have uh, three big players for, for seeds in, in the industry. You have uh, four or five big players for uh, uh, agricultural inputs, uh, chemistry, basically, uh, mm -hmm. on, on the industry. So all these companies have managed to um, to take most of the value from farmers. I, I, I think for us it's important to think on a, on on business uh, models, which put um, far farmers first. Um, and there are ways. Uh, I, I mean, we're working on, on two very cool um, model for our first season of, uh, of our carbon program, where the, the farmer will get uh, benefited and, and, and we're basically taking the risk uh, of everything that we are doing. Um, I, I think that's important. When we think about sustainability, it's not only uh, that these activities have, are sustainable in, in terms of uh, environmental uh, impact, but also, um, they, they must be sustainable in regards to uh, to farmers and, and their communities. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I, I think someone told me this recently, an investor actually, and he's spot on. He said, when you guys are very successful, you know, I think in general, this is true for startups. He says, the only two winners will be the world and you, because everything becomes, in a sense, standardized, right? And then we go back to the old industry dynamics, which is, a lot of consolidation of both sides of farmers and all of that value being extracted either in the supply side, but I think more so on the demand side, right? The, mm -hmm. the trading companies that purchase grain really have so much control. So mm -hmm. we need to create essentially new business models on both sides of the equation if we really want to change it, because it won't be enough if we just do it on the supply and then the value gets extracted on the demand. I agree. And that's, totally that's a good point. Yeah. And then the, I asked, how do we do that? And he said, well, um, get the successful startups together on both sides of the equation 
and there might be an alternative <laughs> path, which is not wrong, which is not wrong, yeah. right? Yeah. It's not easy, uh, but it's not wrong because I do think that there's this is a relatively sleepy industry and a lot of the players in this industry have been around for literally a century. So there is an opportunity to do th- exactly. things differently. But as a startup, you do one thing really well. So you have to collaborate with other startups that do one thing really well. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's mm-hmm. a really good point. We should Sounds find like... a way to change it, change the dynamics, bring the value back to the farmers. That's what we talk about a lot as well. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, we're on the same page. Yeah. Well, Gonzalo, this has been great. I um, I think this is really fascinating. Hopefully, if people hear this, they will understand that there's a way to solve the challenge in in this in the biological space, and it's really about what you're doing about distribution and making it easy and uh, increasing shelf life, and not just about a great product. And they should reach out to you to implement it this way. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you yeah. for coming here. Thank you, Shelly. I appreciate the invitation. And that's it for this episode of Croptastic. Thank you again to Gonzalo Fuenzalida from Andy's Ag for joining us today. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And please share any feedback you have with us via LinkedIn or on our Twitter account at inner underscore plant. Thanks for listening.